Hey, this is Rob with episode six of the Folly Coffee podcast. Let's get it brewing. All right, so for episode six of the Folly Coffee podcast, this is the first ever Folly Coffee podcast interview. Uh, Folly Coffee is going to be featured in October, so beginning yesterday, at Cafe Steam in Rochester. So I headed down to Rochester to not only make the delivery, but to interview the owner of Cafe Steam, Will Forsman. Uh, Cafe Steam is an awesome specialty cafe down in Rochester. Uh, He started the first cafe in 2015, and within the last year has expanded to four locations. So we talked a lot about what it takes to start a cafe, how to expand a cafe, how those opportunities came about, and then we nerded out on some water stuff a little bit, hiring practices, creating culture. Uh, It was an overall good time. So here is that interview with Will. All right. I am here in Rochester, Minnesota. (laughs) (laughs) We were just talking about radio voices and and the intro that you could potentially do. Here. Welcome to the Late Night Podcast with Bob and Will will be talking a little bit about, uh, I don't know how long I can actually do that for. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm here down in Rochester, Minnesota with Will Forsman, uh, owner of Cafe Steam, la- latte artist, photographer, choreographer, producer. Love it. Love yeah. it. Uh, but I was actually making the delivery for our October feature. He's featuring a couple uh, of our coffees on bar yeah. for the month of October. And I said, what better person to interview because what Cafe Steam has been doing for the past year, uh, we actually had our first ever feature uh, at Cafe Steam. I don't know if you knew this, but Cafe Steam was the first cafe ever to brew and serve Folly Coffee. Hell yeah, man. And it was in Rochester, too. That's awesome. Absolutely. And so in the past year, he's been making major moves. But So I I wanted to come down here and talk in third person right in front of him here. And... (laughs) (laughs) And I am here, and you have to like kind of describe your hand moments. It's like it's like you're nodding your head. Yes, I, I realize that people can't actually see when I'm nodding my head to all of the things that you're saying. Like yes, I, I can confirm all of these things are true. And it's like I want to transition out of this intro period so we can just talk. All right, all right. All right, all right. <laughs> um, yeah, and so uh, I wanted to come down here, and a lot of what I want to talk to you about is mm-hmm. where you started, yeah. like the inception of Cafe Steam, kind yeah. of your background, mm-hmm. uh, how you got to that first cafe. Uh, and then just what you've done in the past year, you have four locations now? Four locations, it's yeah. crazy. Up and, and running, actually. It's hard to believe it. You know, you can conceptualize all of these things. But then, you know, uh, right now, so we are currently sitting in our one Discovery Square location, which is um, a part of uh, um, a DMC initiative that is going to um, expand kind of that, uh, the, uh, a couple of things. And we'll, I'll describe a little bit about what this what this space is maybe down the uh, yeah, a little bit later in the podcast, but um, four locations, two of which are uh, right now are, are not operating, so they they closed a, a little bit earlier in the day, and, and this space is closed on Sundays. But um, uh, we've got uh, right now the three one five location on, on Broadway is, is up and running right now. But yeah, throughout that's, the rest, that's of the, the original from, location. From, yeah, and that's and that's cool. our original location. So okay. from Monday Monday through um, through Saturday, everything is is open as normal. Weekend hours are are um, eight a.m. to noon at uh, our Skyway location at 8 a.m. to 2 at Thesis, and then we're closed here on, on uh, Sundays, and then 8 a.m. 8 a.m. to 2 on here on uh, at One Discovery Square uh, on Saturday too. Cool. So your original location, what yeah. year did you guys open that? 2015. 2015. Yeah. And so, at what point 
uh, before 2015, did you first get the inclination or the idea or even the spark of, I think I want to start a cafe? Cafe Steam has a pretty interesting history. Um, We had, um, so the space that occupied, there was actually, so originally it didn't start as Cafe Steam. Cafe Steam transitioned into its being from a coffee shop called Press Coffee and Tea, which operated from, I believe, 2011 to up until 2015. Um, there was a bit of a tumultuous changeover from uh, a former owner to uh, to the entity that it is now. Um, and if, if people want to Google that, they can Google it. But uh, the, um, the, the, in the changeover, it took on a different uh, set of ownership. And with that ownership, um, I took on more of a leadership position. And eventually, that leadership position turned changed into ownership. So... Um, from that point, I always wanted to, um, I had the idea that I wanted to own a business. I wanted to play a much bigger part in this business than, than I was at that time. So I began saving my money, um, and, and really just like, I think there was a time when I was living on like, like, you know, $10 a week, something like that. And just, just supplementing. And you and I have actually a very similar backstory in, in, um, kind of your transition. And I don't know if you were in, I, cause I remember you put up something about it where, you were in school, or you were working, and then and then you were you were not doing that for a while. I had my job at Sam Adams where I was right. selling beer. Yep, yep. And I did like the reverse side hustle, right. where you make I made coffee my main thing, yeah. and then just was working like four different jobs. Right, right, <laughs> so right. A barista in the morning, yep. and then uh, lift driving at night, bar backing, bartending, and then just random odd right, jobs. Right, so you just just like putting that grind in, and and. But with that mentality that it's not something that you were going to do for a long time, right? And, and you're, you're building yourself up to the, exactly. yeah. the idea that, like, you know what, I, I have this goal in my mind, and you, like, tooth and nail, you're in it. Like, yeah, you that's just, you, all you're doing. You just accept, you go, I have no life. Yes, exactly. I have yeah. no friends. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, th- and you make it very clear to your loved yeah. ones that yeah. you go, this is not personal. Right, uh, right. I'm not, it's not that I'm not hanging out with I'm you. I'm sorry I don't answer your text messages, but <laughs> also I... I there are some, you know, I don't need to yeah. you know, answer the you just make it very clear. tiny, tiny things that are like, how are you feeling today? Like, please don't answer that. It's just, not that I'm ignoring you. <laughs> it's that I'm ignoring everyone. Every, every yeah, no, that's, and that's what yeah. you need to do during yeah. a time like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it, and there are those who kind of idolize or, or idolize the, the, the grind or the, you know, you gotta be up at 5am every day. You gotta be working 18 hour days. No, you don't have to be doing that, but you do have to believe in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You do have to put actual energy into um, that project because if you're you you can see that model not working out for a lot of people where they don't actually have the motivation to see that project through um, from the get-go and a lot of those get squashed right out of the gate you know a lot of those are um, these quick little startups where they think every the traction is going to be gained right away and so you, they have a little bit of inertia going into it saying like I have all of these ideas I have you know all this uh, uh, energy to, to put into it and then it lasts six months to a year yeah. or they encounter any form of, you know, build out issues where, um, you know, if you've ever built out a space, you know that you're going to encounter un- unseen costs. Um, I can't tell you how many times we dropped, you know, gosh, you know, five to 10 grand more than we thought we were going to on, um, small things that you thought were a shoe in, but then you, you're looking at like, okay, now I've got to put X amount of dollars mm-hmm. into it that I was not a budgeting out or B hoping to spend and then you, you're doing the mental math like okay how long is it going to take to recoup that how you know how many years out am I looking before I'm actually going to be able to you know um, say that that cost was attributed to you know any any sales or anything like that and 
So that part's really hard, and that knocks a lot of people out of the gate right mm. away. It's a lot like school in the fact that you're gonna, they sit you down in that, that uh, uh, or the, when they're first doing your orientation, and they say you can look to your left and you can look to your right. And those people will be gone by the end. If you graduate, those people, two people will have dropped out. Mm. And business is very much like that, but it shouldn't keep people from, um, from exploring that option for themselves, especially if, you know, if there are people who, young people who are listening to this that are like, oh, I wonder if I should go to... Just do it. Um, you know, don't don't let things stop you just because it sounds hard. Yeah. But also, try really hard not to anticipate the sucky parts because you can talk to most, if not all, business owners and say, "Would you get into this if you uh, if you knew how hard it was going to be?" And nine out of ten of them are going to be like, "Absolutely not." You know, if I knew that, you know, a good example is for our our thesis beer project location. The the owner and head brewer Adam Fredrickson and and his wife Allison are are you know years and years and years into a project that they love and that their heart and soul is in um, that from the get-go they did not anticipate taking as long as it did and the reward is all there they're they're you know they're um, the reward of the work that they've put into into that space is um, finally come to fruition and it's an active space it's a beautiful beautiful building beautiful location and people love what is in there but if you see if you were able to see the day and day of the work that's being put into that that spot, the every day it was something new and something like cataclysmically, just um, you were unable to anticipate. And you ask him if he would do it if he would do it again. Nobody's going to go through that again. Right. Nobody's going to choose to go through that again because it puts stress on you. It puts stress on physical stress. It's emotional stress. It's you know puts stress on your relationships with people. And for some business owners, you lose that sense of self. You, you can talk to a lot of these you know, old guard business, small business people. And I was talking to um, somebody about this this morning. I, I was out in Trempolo, Wisconsin, talking to um, Jess, who's the owner of, of Eckers Apple Farm in, in Trempolo. And we were talking about that, that loss of self that in, in business owners where it feels like you're not talking to a person you're talking to a business because it's all they do. And I, I'm not going to give up any examples of, of people that uh, that are like this, but it's it's like you you don't know if you'd be able to sit down and have a conversation about with them about something other than yeah. um, other than let's say I don't know waffles right? yeah. or 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 um, no I won't dig in you know any hard yeah. but like you don't know that you'd be able to, they they kind of lose this identity mm-hmm. because they've spent so many years being a conduit for their business mm-hmm. um, and you see that see that taking its toll um, on them over the long haul but yeah at, for for Adam and Allison the, the benefit of the work that they put into it is I'm hoping is ten times what they uh, uh, what they ended up putting into it emotionally and physically because um, and and from what what can be seen is it's doing very well and it's yeah. meeting that expectation so yeah. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so rewinding back yeah, to sorry, no, 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 no. That's why I like to keep these long, <laughs> long form and kind of fluid. For sure. Uh, and so you you know you want to do a business or you want to start a business of some sort, and then you find yourself in a position that you can put yourself in an ownership position of yeah. Cafe Steve. Yeah. What, what year was that? So you launched the store. We we launched in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and at and prior to that, I was just washing dishes at the former coffee mm-hmm. shop. So uh, at Press Coffee and Tea. And when that ownership change happened, um, I was not an owner at that time. Mm-hmm. But the reason that we made we uh, 
and I say we, it was collectively kind of a, from the get-go, we kind of got together and said, well, what, what's the next phase of this going to be? Um, some interested parties uh, came on board, um, my, my co-owners and partners who I work um, very closely with, uh, Kai Garcia, Nate Staff, um, and Tracy and Hunter Downs, they are, they are all owners. So hmm. this is an ownership board. It's not just Will doing these things, but gotcha. I am definitely the, um, uh, even though I don't like to be, the, the front of the spear. And I say I don't like to be because um, I don't like to lead from the front, yeah. if that makes sense. You want to kind of lead from the middle. Totally. But you definitely want to lead from the front in the sense that you're the first one that's hitting the tough spots. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I found that it's kind of a catch-22 where it's like a, Especially a small business definitely needs that person yeah. that people know that this is yep. the person. But I also say about myself uh, with Folly is that my goal is that you question what I even do. Right. Because right. you put, you surround yourself with people who are doing things at such a high level. Exactly. And you just fill the roles that need to be filled. That's something I never considered before where you, you, you were working yeah, so some people will say, like, what do you even do? Yeah. If Ken's doing the roasting, you just, you just Jeff's doing the roasting. Yeah. That's all I do. That's literally all I do. Yeah, you make podcasts? That's all. Yeah, that's, exactly. Um, okay, cool. So you, uh, leading up to 2015 yep. launch, yep. how much renovation had to be done? What was the coffee program like? Yeah. What was the tea program like? Did you keep it the same as it was at the press, or was it a massive overhaul? Um, so the only massive overhaul, I think, was the interior. Okay. Um, so seating-wise, we wanted to expand seating because we knew that it was a very warm environment. We knew that it was a very... Um, it was a place that people could congregate, and that was one of the initial drivers behind, behind uh, taking it over. Said so you knew that it was a co- uh, it was a, a gathering space for people, and to you know shout out to you know the old uh, or not old but um, to the to the first coffee shop that was ever in Rochester, Bravo Espresso. They were kind of starting the catalyst of like okay, um, Rochester needs a coffee shop, but up until that point, it didn't have one. It didn't have a brick and mortar coffee shop where people could go in and sit down and be a, in a community of people and be able to drink coffee. And, and at that point, it does not it's not even about the coffee. It's about having a space where people can be that it's not work and it's not home. And that, that was really the driving force behind this, is to, to develop that first that third place for people. And um, looking at our, our mission statement, it, it's very much um, in line with, uh, we, we use the, the short story, um, uh, Clean, Well-Lighted Place by, by Ernest Hemingway. And it's, it's a dialogue between... Um, an old waiter and a younger waiter talking about. Can you say uh, that one more time? Yeah, uh, it's a it's called a, a clean, well lighted place um, by Ernest Hemingway. Um, and shout out it, Ernest Hemingway. Shout out OG. Wonder I don't know. What, wonder what he's up to. Now. Yeah, I don't know what his handle is. We'll we'll put uh, it in the show notes. We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. On Instagram. I don't know, I heard it. Yeah, Hemingway's big on the gram. Is he? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and so it's a dialogue between uh, an older waiter and a younger talking about a gentleman who is sitting in the cafe for, for too long. You know, he's been there late at night and he keeps drinking uh, and, and doesn't really, isn't contributing. And that's the younger waiter's issue is that he's not contributing to society. And the, and the older waiter says, well, I'm actually afraid to close up because then if I do, he'll have nowhere to go. Developing from, from our, our standpoint, a place where people can go, um, a place where people feel comfortable either doing work or doing nothing um, is something that, that's really important. So that's that's how we move forward with each of these spaces. Cool. Um, the build out on that on that space was was pretty minimal in terms of renovating. We and that's kind of was our was uh, definitely sobering when you're when you're opening up that 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 next space and and you realize like oh there is a there is a I mean an incredible amount of things that need to go into just just building out a space. Um, 
and we um, were able to find enough momentum with our coffee program, and, and we transitioned what we, we kept our relationships with local providers because that's something that was really important to the former space too. So partnering with Mandala Tea, which was a direct importer based out of Rochester, partnering with um, Tiny Footprint Coffee, um, who was based out of Minneapolis, um, we had really close relationships with them. And, and as a coffee person myself, I didn't see any, or, or coffee and tea person myself, I didn't see any benefit to um, disbanding those relationships. And we even went back and paid. I mean, we wanted to get um, off on the right foot, and we went back and paid invoices that were from you know the, the former coffee establishment. So if you can imagine yeah. you know, paying the bills of, of a coffee shop that was doing very poorly, and for good reason, um, and, and because you want to build, be able to build those relationships um, and find that foundation again and say, like, listen, we're, we're doing better, we're, and we want to do better by you, and, and that was really important to us from the get-go. So with minimal changes, yeah. um, how did you redefine, redefine the space and, and establish yourself yeah. that, yes, it's the same location, it mm-hmm. may, may be a similar look, mm-hmm. maybe even a similar feel, but how, how did you... Uh, come out of the gate in 2015 yeah. and redefine it to Cafe Steam and what it is. It took a really long time. It took a really long time to redevelop those relationships with people because a lot of them didn't have good experiences with that space, mm. good associations with that space. Um, and that was the uphill battle. That was that was the um, toughest part of that. It was to, to do that outreach again mm-hmm. and to say, we're going to do better by you as customers. To say, like, our customer service is going to be better. Your experience here is going to the environment will be more friendly, all these kinds of things, which are not necessarily um, restricted to barista-customer interactions. It's, you know, how are we being more involved with the community? How are we being more involved with social media? Because luckily, at, up to that point, this is something that the company was not doing. They were not involved hmm. in the community. They were not involved on social media. And they, they had a, a slight social media presence, but it was um, abysmal up, up to that point. So we really had a very high ceiling for it, which when you can... They can look at a company and say, all right, I can see all the things that you're doing wrong. And not, not necessarily, and you can go to any, any business and, and pin, you know, pick at things that they're yeah. doing wrong, and that's easy. But looking at, the, at the, how much of an opportunity there was to do things better is, is really what, what we took it to from that. Um, so the, the customer base when you launch, is it a lot of the people who are already going to press or do you find that you're getting new customers because of the change? That's a, or did it change over completely that the press customer is not even interested in cafe? Well, that is a great question. You have, for most coffee shops, you have baristas who build their own relationship with the customer base. So um, I, you know, when, when I'm making coffee, I have those that 20 or 30 people who I know are coming in to see me, mm. right? And you don't have those people anymore. There's going to be a changeover, so there's going to be somewhat, in, or, or there there is going to be a regeneration of that organic following or that organic customer base that you want that you um, that you want to be able to start new. But then you're also going to see those people who are coming in to see if it's like that the the space that they're familiar with. Is. Dip your toe in the water. Go, yep. Yeah. Let's, let's, go let's, let's see what's what's what they're doing now. <laughs> I like the old space. Uh, and um, yeah, this coffee doesn't taste the same. It doesn't taste literally same. the exact same coffee, dude. <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> When you change over, it's, it's funny how much a coffee can change when you actually respect it. Um, you can be using, hey, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure you see that too. If you've got somebody who's uh, brewing a, like uh, on city water and, are, and they're Mr. Mr. Coffee at home yeah. and they're emailing you and you're saying, 
I don't like this coffee very much. And you say, well, here are the hundred different things that you could be doing um, better. Or, or Dude, it's one of the biggest challenges of being coming from the beer world is I always say this, that it's like if I'm a brewer and yeah. I give someone a six pack of beer. Yeah. Open it. That's exactly how I want you to drink it. It's <laughs> yeah. done. You can't mess that up. You're not leaving it in your trunk for a festival or something. Yeah, and it's getting exactly. hot. Yeah, but coffee, you give them, you could give them the yeah. best bag of beans in yeah. the world. Yeah. And so how did you kind of change your approach to the coffee? Sure. First thing, um, water filtration. Uh, water is the most important thing that you start, start out with. You Very can't, overlooked. You can't, you can't make coffee without water. Very and overlooked. So we took, and this has been a, a, a series of years to, to get to this point, but I took a really hard look at our water program. How are we... Um, how are we managing our water? Um, and we started out with our first RO system, which is a reverse osmosis water filtration system, which um, for many coffee shops is going to be above and beyond what you need. Um, I would not necessarily recommend having an RO system because there are a lot of mechanical failures that can be associated with them where there's a lot of upkeep. Um, your filters are very expensive, um, but the water that you're making is very consistent. We, um, If you've ever read the book, I think, what is it, Colonna Dash? Ashwood and Smalls, uh, Water for Coffee is, uh, is one of the most important pieces of coffee literature that has come out in the last, I would say, two decades. And I've, only been on the, I've only been on the planet for 26 years, so there's only so much that I can say about the two last, last two decades. But out of all the coffee resources that I've been able to find, Water for Coffee is one of the most fundamental things that people should be reading if they're trying to improve their coffee. I haven't read that. Um, it's very dense. It makes... Almost you no mean a sense. book about brewing water for coffee book, isn't going to be a thrilling listen, read? Man, you know it's going to be tough when they start out with like the origins of time and like, like yeah. here, let's explain chemistry and you're like, <laughs> oh god, no! But super important, I think about it every single day. Yeah. Every single day when I have a, an issue with water or when, when I have an issue with coffee, I'm, the first thing I'm thinking about is water. Yeah, I'm not thinking about the grind. I'm not thinking about you know how I'm, how you know my times or anything like. That. The first thing I'm thinking about is the water. Yeah, and that's like it speaks to the um, the importance of consistency in brewing methods. Yeah, is the limiting of variable uh, variables in your brewing method. Yep. That if something goes wrong, probably is water. Yes, because yeah. that happened to me. I, I moved uh, recently to St. Louis Park. Yeah. really hard water. Yeah. I didn't even think about it because right. I was just using my Brita filter. And I'm, you know, our coffee rotation changed. And I try and I, go, I just yep yep oh, <laughs> off with our yeah. whole program yeah. right yeah. now. And then it occurred to me. Yeah. So you mentioned RO. You might not do that if you did go back. What What would you recommend for someone who's looking at filtration? Um, you have a lot of different options. Right now we're working on, we, we rock what are called best max filters. And uh, this is, um, a lot of these water improvements were aided by um, the company that we work with, Tiny Footprint. Alan, mm -hmm. Alan up at, at Tiny Footprint um, has been a huge resource for us to be like, okay, um, if you don't like it this way, let's let's try this. Or, hey, little hit me up and be like, Hey, we're, we're rocking these new water filters. What do you what do you think? What do you want to try? Um, anything like that? And um, so we we transition to Best Max filters for all of our stores right now. Um, we are rocking an RO system at our um, second store in the Skyway right right now. Um, the benefit to an RO system is that you have variability, and I say that with a pause because um, variability can be a really bad thing if you have it in the wrong. So if somebody's in there cranking dials and doing things, we're saying they're like, okay, I don't, uh, let's try zero parts per million today, and, and you, know, you don't want that. Um, testing your water to get it in anywhere between, um, I think, one, 100 to 150 parts per million but, uh, in um, water, you know, mineral, uh, solid content, mineral yeah. content, but then specific minerals. So mm. um, magnesium, calcium, and then your carbonate and bicarbonate, which are interacting with your acids and bases to make um, 
conjugate acids and conjugate bases, and, and that's really important when it's working with the coffee. So you can have things in your water that are extracting from the coffee, and then you can have things in your water that are working with the coffee to mm. change the flavor. So um, let's say um, I, can, I can tell when my filters are going down because you're brewing the coffee the exact same way. You're pulling the same times, but your, your profile is changing. Um, if my coffee is starting to taste a little bit saltier, I know my water is getting harder. If my coffee is starting to taste a little bland, or um, uh, you know, it just doesn't have, right, doesn't, have, doesn't have that body yeah. to it, doesn't have that, 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 uh, those fruit notes that you're looking for, you're, you're, extract, or you're, um, you're filtering it too much. Yeah. So, it's actually uh, something I did recently was buy distilled water, buy mineral water, yeah. buy spring water. Yeah. Because I moved and I was just like, I need to know how all these taste. And that's, mm-hmm. what, that's exactly what I found. And that's, that's probably what leads a lot to somebody saying, that cafe has a really good cup of coffee. Right. And then even if they buy the beans and bring it home, it's not the same. They have no idea why. You go to different cafes of the same, the same company. And, yeah. and I, I know that our coffee doesn't taste the same in, in, in every single store. And it's <laughs> something that's super frustrating to me because I know that we're rocking the same filters, but they're either going through different treatment plants, um, whether it's on you know, the north side of town or the south side of town, or um, they're pulling from, you know, if it's, um, so like One Discovery Square, I know they have a softener somewhere in the building. Because I could taste it, yeah. I haven't actually like dug into it because we we've only been here for for uh, for so long. But to find out where the softener is and okay, what are, what what are we changing? Um, with the Skyway, it's you know it's going through some processing in the building again. Um, with Thesis, it's raw city water. Okay? Mm. With our Broadway store, raw city water. Okay, so we're then able to okay start with a base. I know that's going to be somewhat consistent, um, and. Uh, then, then build from there. But when you yeah. have it from a source where you're like, I don't know what they're doing to it before it's getting to me, then it, then you have to do some changes. So you've got people who will go to, um, like, Thesis right now, best cold brew in, in you know, Rochester, okay, and from my opinion. Um, our espresso at our second store, uh, best you can get. Um, drip coffee at our Broadway store, best you can get. Um, and, and luckily with One Discovery Square, we've, we've taken it like, okay, cool. How are we going to take all of those things and bring all of the good things to one space? Cool. So luckily we're, we're doing it. Yeah, so if I'm an intern over at Mayo and I just get a coffee order and all I need to do to get the best cold brew espresso yep. and drip is just do the whole lap. Do the whole lap, yeah, <laughs> and then maybe we can advertise that and be like, and then you come to some. That's to interesting. I've, yeah. I've, I've never and heard someone with multiple locations describe, describe it in that way. Yeah, and, and it's not to, um, I... We, we, you and I may be very discerning times, so mm. we may be hypercritical of the coffee that we're making because it's our jobs. Mm. So you can take the two two things and, and present them to people, and, and they're going to think they're the same thing. But to us, it's I drink this coffee every single day of my yeah. life, and, and um, so I know when, when small changes are going to occur. One of my favorite studies of all time, mm-hmm. because there are times where the obsession we're placing into the small small tasting those right, small right. differences you go is this really worth it right if most people and when i say most almost all <laughs> are not going to notice or right. even be intentional enough to even think about it yeah my favorite study of all time is they take a group of jam experts yeah and they have them taste 21 jams rank them from 1 to 21 highest quality lowest quality yeah and they take random college students off the street mm-hmm. and say taste these jams rank them favorite to least favorite yeah yeah a near perfect correlation between the experts 
and the college kids. Really? Now they run it again with a different group of college kids and yeah. say, explain yeah. why you're making your picks. Right, right, right. No correlation. Yeah. And so what that means is people just naturally have the ability to taste what is good and isn't. Yes. But the second they try, if you're, if you don't obsess about it and learn about it and you try to think about it too much, mm -hmm. you actually lose it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why something like that may not seem incredibly important, right? But someone will taste this and not necessarily know why, but in the back of their head going, gosh, the cold brew, when I have it at that location yeah. is yeah. just killer. And yeah. so uh, I, sometimes people go, I think we're spending too much time talking about this. Mm -hmm. I go, you're, we're never spending yeah. enough yeah. time. Yeah. 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 It's that I love that study and it goes right into what you're saying there. Um, so, so you're, you launch your first cafe and you up the social media game, which I think is one of, that's how I found you. Huge resource. Yep. Uh, so in terms of attracting new customers, would you consider social media to be maybe the strongest marketing tool, foot traffic, location, visibility? Mm -hmm. How, how, how would it's, you kind of rank It's that those? first touch. It's that first experience that a lot of people are going to have with you. But if you really want to build a foundational following, you need to talk to people one-on-one -on -one, or mm -hmm. you need to talk to people in that, in that, uh, in that way. A lot of people can do that with social media. A lot of people can speak through their platform as though I'm talking to you uh, in, in, in a room. So as though, as though we're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And so that's something that's really important to embody with your, with your social media presence too, is to not make it feel like I'm just projecting at an audience. Yeah. Make it feel like, like, hey guys, cool. Like I'm speaking uh, in my, my, whether it's my captions or maybe even you know, using those live streams, using video in that, mm. in that way to, um, to help build that, that foundation in the same way that a one-on-one -on -one conversation would have. And in terms of the actual pictures you're taking mm -hmm. and the things you're posting, yep. how uh, planned out are you in terms of we want to post, be, yeah. we want to pick, post pictures of latte art or the outside of the cafe or promote this? Yep. How planned out is it? Yep. And is it something that you actually think about or is it more just free-flowing and whatever seems right at the time? When I first started out, it was very much planned. It was very much like, cool, I'm going to X today, this today, this today, and I knew where my captions were going to be, and I knew my framing. I would, I remember, I would, and for some reason at that time, it was very important for me this how how social media was was um, portrayed because I don't, it wasn't natural to, natural at the time. It was something that personally I was still getting into and figuring out, um, and because I, you know, I didn't have much experience with social media up to that point. And but photography is something that you've always. That's a. That's actually a kind of. They are. They are. Um, they both have the same origin point. I remember okay. we started up our social media, and or I started up in photography because we needed social media. And yeah. I remember I would take pictures on my phone, and um, I and then somebody else would take a picture on their with their with their camera, and I go, why why does mine not look like that? Yeah. Why does mine not look as nice as that? <laughs> exact and, same um, thing. and um, I would have just a and, and eventually I got to a point where I was like, okay, maybe I'm going to um, invest in. in so I got my first camera and um, uh, started to develop my skill almost through the social media yeah. of the coffee shop. And again, we talk a little bit about, okay, are, are we a conduit for our, for our businesses? Are we kind of developing our life based on, on, on businesses that we run? And that's absolutely what, what was going on is that I started up my photography at the same time that I was, that I was um, managing the social media. So those two things are in line. And so I would put a lot of stress in planning out my posts, knowing what I was going to post about. Um, and, and then the why associated with it. Um, now, I will think of something 10 minutes before I post, and I won't think of a caption up until I have the photo on my phone, 
and I'm looking at it. And even still, I'll go to somebody and I'll be like, hey, what should this caption be? <laughs> I don't even know what to, what to talk about because you don't want to sound repetitive. Mm. I, I don't want it to seem as though I'm saying this, you'll have those words that you'll use in every single post and you'll see it and like, there's that word again. Should I use it or should I not use it? And then, then you start to overanalyze it in that way. Yeah. So making it more conversational, making it more like more fluid so that it's coming out as though you're not having to place so much weight on it mm. as though it's the only important thing about your company. It's, it, I think it's important to know what you said mm-hmm. because I followed an oddly similar path in that early on, a lot of thought and planning on the captions, on the pictures of what was being posted, yeah. making sure it was enough variety that we're highlighting different parts of the business. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, it is a learned skill. Yeah. And it is important early on to almost have more thought because especially when you're launching a new shop or a new yeah. roaster, it's, you know, the, it's, it's a new thing. So mm-hmm. even you don't know what Cafe Steam is at this point. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. You have an idea. Right, I don't right. know what Folly is when I launch. I have an idea. <laughs> and so it's being very particular about it. And then it's almost like the post you're doing now, thinking about 10 minutes ahead of time, are probably way better than what you were doing when you light started. Years, light years. Because you know what it is that you, in a sense, you are, you know that, that parameter that you Exactly. Have. You know how far you can go before it seems like it's outside. And I've taken, you know, what I feel like are great photos that I know I'm never going to use for social media. I would use them personally, but I would never use them for social media because it doesn't fit in line with your theme. And I'm doing air quotes right now. Yeah. It, says, it says theme. And, and really what that is is a level of consistency to where if people know that they can look at the first three posts on uh, that pop up when they're looking. And let's look at Instagram specifically. And they know that they're going to be able to expect that in the future. And that's really what is going to gain your followers is that they know that when they look at it, they know what you're going to be posting tomorrow. They know what you're going to be posting a week That's from now. That's interesting. So that they can find comfort in the, the consistency of the product that they're receiving. It's, it's very much like coffee. If I buy a coffee today and it tastes like this, I expect it to taste like that tomorrow. So that's what I want to get again. That's a super um, interesting way to look at it. That it's, it's almost expressing intrinsically what, why you would follow something yep. in the first place. Is you So I want to see more of this. I want to see more of that. Yeah. And so if you follow something because you see a post you like or something, mm-hmm. and then all the future posts are not like that, right, you're like, right. I've been duped, and yep. you unfollow it. <laughs> That's a really interesting way to look at it. And so after your launch, 2015, you up the social media game. Yep. You're focusing more on your water program, yep. your yep. coffee, tea. It's gonna, everything's going to elevate. Uh, focusing on building a culture that's yep. in, uh, inviting – how long after, uh, and maybe it's still there, but mm-hmm. do you feel like, okay, we're, we're really humming along here. There's, you know, it's not like, is how, it doesn't feel fragile anymore. Yeah. How long into it after that launch do you think oh, you start God. to get a little bit of uh, security in your mind that's like, okay, we have this thing running? I would say by the summer of 2016, that's when we started to feel more confident in um, bringing, having more baristas on bar at a time. Unfortunately, you get a little overconfident and you have more braces on bar at that time than you needed. And so that's, I think, when, when that confidence started is mm. just when um, we were able to say like, oh, we're actually not able to keep up with the business, the level of business that we need to. Um, and we transitioned from single staffing to double staffing. And then at a certain point, we had three people on staff at a, at a time making coffee all at once. And if you visit our first store, you can look behind bar and you realize that's kind of a small space. Yeah. Okay. Um, there were times in the day when that was not necessary, and so that allowed us to, to reel it back. And then we began to evaluate, all right, 
do we need more people on bar or do we need better training? And that allowed us to mm. have a lot of much better cost saver. You know, it, was, it was allowing us to be more cost effective yeah. and say like, you know, if, if two people can do the level of work that three people are doing currently, you're going to save a, a, a lot of money over a long, a long period of time. Um, and in finding these people, because mm-hmm. uh, in my experiences with Cafe Steam, you have an awesome staff. Everybody seems to be really hardworking. Okay. It seems to, the culture seems to be pretty aligned. How do you, how much turnover do you see? How do you address those challenges? And then yeah. uh, how do you find new team members? And uh, do, do you have seasonal changes? What are kind of the major challenges of hiring and mm-hmm. how have you addressed those? Yeah, so um, seasonally, I think it's going to impact anybody who has a college in their town. So, right. Um, we never see a, you know, we never change our the level of staffing based on the, the season that we're in, um, but we will uh, base it on, uh, or just just the, the turnover specifically. So how many uh, employees do you have currently? So we will have more staff available during the summertime because we will have you know different events, we'll have different um, different requirements. More people want time off in the summertime, mm-hmm. so not not as many people will be working, but hourly we're keeping. Relatively consistent. Now, so higher staff, less average hours per person. Yes, and that, and that is that is from you know by by expression of like okay, let's say you have four people who want to work half time, okay, you're going to need to, then you have two people who want to work full time. That's where that that need yeah. is. Now we are doing a better job of looking at those times when like okay, when can you even cut back and operate a little bit leaner from an advantage of okay, um, we want to keep a consistent level of, of there's there's that hesitation from a from a business owner standpoint like well what if it gets busy well what if what if you know didn't drinks aren't going out as fast it's like okay when can we allow that to ourselves when are people more comfortable with things going out a little bit slower do i want my latte taking you know x number of minutes at 9 a.m when i'd be more comfortable with it taking more time um nine o'clock at night i'm, I'm not necessarily you know itching to get out the door at nine o'clock at night um so that's definitely a time when you can start to consider um, operating a little bit leaner. Um, seasonal turnover, you've got college kids that come in and out of town. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually do employ um, high school staff members, so, so when they do transition out, simply because we don't have a, a huge selection pool of, of that, that um, uh, and, and I, it's not restricted to the college age, but when you are viewing the demographic of who works at a coffee shop, yeah, baristas, yeah, baristas, in general. baristas in general are going to be anywhere from um, let's say even eighteen to thirty. Okay, um, we're totally open to taking applications from you know people who are yeah, you know, 30, or thirty or above. But what what are you most commonly seeing? Is that age that age group? So that's a challenge that you're going to have to be able to um, be able to accommodate in. So when you have that churn from from the school um, from the school year, um, you'll be able to you have to be able to anticipate that. And yeah. Again, that's something that was really hard for us at the beginning. Is like you get to a week before the start of the school year, and you'd be thinking. Well, Nothing's going to change. We're all fine. And then they put in their availability. And you're like, uh, I have no staff. <laughs> Do you have any connections with the school on pointing people who are looking for, you know, like a barista gig for yeah, while they're in yeah, school? Yeah, we have. We are very close with the University of Minnesota Rochester. Oh, it's awesome. to be starting a program to put uh, job applications in their orientation uh, information. So um, that's that's a really good um, way of getting connected um, with them in that way. Um, and that's more upfront. That's more yeah. aggressive. Um because what that does is it says people will half-heartedly apply to a job. Yeah. Uh, you got I don't you have you ever done application reviews or anything like that? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, you'll get people who put down special skills. I really like coffee, and and that's all they put down. And you're just like, man, 
not going to get it. And you'll have some people apply three, four times. Yeah. And by the fourth time, they're listening the last time they went to the dentist. I mean, it, 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 and it, you can tell that they're developing a want for, for that job. And those are the people that are going to be the most important to you as, a, as, uh, as staff members. So, Interesting. Yeah, we... Um, so if you're out there looking for that job, don't just apply once. <laughs> don't, don't, yeah, don't, don't apply once. Absolutely. If you really want that job, and call in. I can't tell you how many people I've actually hired because you, when I put out a call for hires in, in Rochester, I'll get, um, you know, I, I can get upwards of 45 applications. And so Jeez. how many of those are you just, you can't tell anything about a person by yeah. looking at a sheet of paper. And it's, it's, it's actually ironic, the, the, the ones that look really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, somebody's probably done a lot of applications. Yeah. Yep. And then you go, wait, why would someone be yeah. really good at filling out applications? Right, right, right. It's like this weird. Yeah, yeah. Like, or, yeah. or they write walk in on the top and you're just like, ah, and your energy's not in it. But yeah. if I, I can't tell anything about a person by looking at a sheet of paper. So how do you start to. Um, determine the quality of a person or the their adaptability to your work environment based on that. You can do that a couple of different ways. You can look at the, fa- the facts that they listed on that application or on that, um, that, that resume or, or whatever. If they are specific to your job, if they've taken, in, taken time to that resume and said, all right, here are my skills, here's my background, here's how it would apply to this job, you know they're thinking about hmm. this this the position that they're that they're about to they're hopefully going to occupy. Um, social media can be a, a resource. Um, you can talk to any any business owner that, that looks people up. Number one is it because you want to recognize who's come, who's walking in that door when they when they come in for that interview, so it doesn't feel like there is some sort of um, they're not walking into a hostile environment. Nobody likes interviews, mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that you're getting the full read on somebody. So if you walk in and you say, "Hi, is your name so and so?" They're gonna know that okay, cool. I'm I'm already recognized through this place. I'm I can start to feel more comfortable and be able to have this conversation. Um, from social media, you'll also be able to determine you know um, whether or not uh, they're posting appropriate con- content. <laughs> Is somebody going to be posting about you know like uh, any sort of the list? Let your imagination Are they posting appropriate content that would be reflective of your business? Mm-hmm. Um, we have incorporated into our handbook a social media policy that says you need to be you know representative of this company both on and off duty and and off duty can include social media presence. Yeah. so if I'm posting about something that will get uh, you know media attention uh, negatively and it can in any way be drawn back to cafe steam hmm. um, that's gonna be a problem yeah um, and you're not you're not delving into their history you, you pull up their page right. like, cool that's who I'm meeting great and from there you can you know, right. figure it out. Yeah. Um, and then having them in for that interview. So you've got a couple, a checklist of things like, okay, is what they're applying to for this position pertaining or pertinent to, to the coffee shop environment? Um, are they, did you get to meet them in person when they dropped off that application? Okay. Try to meet, if, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's build this towards somebody who is applying, applying to a coffee shop. Try to meet with the owner or try to meet with the hiring manager to drop off that application. Mm. Don't hand it to some barista who's going to put it on a desk and get shuffled in the papers and then get put in with a pile of other applications. Try to meet with somebody who is the decision maker to say, like, hi, I'm meeting with this. Most of the people who have who are on staff right now have applied and they have handed that application to me personally mm. because I've been able to really quickly read them, get get my, you know, interpretation. Do they, when, you know, if 
they introduce themselves when they're, when they're dropping off the application. They say, hi, my name is so-and-so, and I'd like to drop this application. Or are they going, or are they just like handing it to you, like here, hey, and then yeah. I need a job. Okay? That's going to be, and even though the application can look really nice, you're going to be able to get a, a pretty firm yeah. read on if you're going to, the, to that interview portion mm-hmm. next. Um, and then in the interview, I don't know, um, we have we have an interview worksheet that we work from, okay. but um, uh, like loosely base your interview off that you and... can you are free to deviate from that gotcha. from that interview. Nobody, um, I I don't know if there are any issues with deviating from from an interview worksheet. Where do you value? And this is gonna be my last question on hiring because I'm really curious mm-hmm. about the last year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how much do you value previous experience mm-hmm. and the ability oh. to steam milk yeah. and do latte art Great and question. awesome, mm-hmm. like a ton of coffee knowledge. And I know all about every single origin versus someone who's uh, inexperienced, mm-hmm. but might be a great culture fit or a hard worker. Um, that's a conversation I've had with Adam Fredrickson of, of the secure project a lot is to say, you know, are you hiring for professionalism or are you hiring for personality? Cause there are those people who could not uh, hit the water if they fell out of the boat about coffee um, but they are um, very personable. You know their customer service would be good, and you, you can see them as somebody who can develop a skill for coffee. So I, um, it incentivizes me that for that, that interview portion, if they de- can demonstrate on that interview app or that application that they have coffee professionalism. If you have worked in coffee before, that's a huge bonus to you to get to, get to that interview stage. Um, but, and then... Um, from the, the personality standpoint, if you if you are able to hand out that, that application to the person, that, that gives you a huge, huge step up over, over somebody else. So um, we hire for both. Um, I know that I've hired people specifically because they demonstrate a wonderful um, knowledge of coffee and a really good interest in developing community or really good interest in music. Um, and, you know, their customer service can use some, some work but you can't view that as a as a downside. Look at at that as an opportunity mm. to say like, okay, um, I can build your ability to uh, have customer service. And then the other thing is uh, the other the other benefit to hiring for personality is you have a blank slate to work with. A lot of those people that you're hiring from uh, other coffee shops come with some pretty bad habits. Mm. Uh, what they understand about coffee can be completely different from what you are going to teach them, and so you will have some combativeness yeah. to say like, well, that's not how we do it. You know, how, that's not how I did it. And so. Making it um, that knowledge more accessible to them is is important in that phase. But starting off with a blank slate is always a huge benefit. Yeah. It seems like a balance of both is always the best answer. Yeah. I, I've, <laughs> I've heard uh, where hiring stories where they go, we only hire super bubbly, bright, fun. We want no. everybody. And then you go, but that person's nightmare yeah. is working on the espresso machine because they don't get Getting to talk to every or, person or, that comes yeah, in. Yeah. And it's like, so there's certain people that you go, well, maybe they hate register the mm-hmm. other. It's, it's all a balance. Um, awesome. So basically, if you're interested in becoming a barista, get in there in person, mm-hmm. get an application, and yep. try to find out who the decision maker is, yep. get a face-to-face, and just work work hard to do that. And yep. even if the first application is denied, keep applying like yeah. that. And, and entry-level positions, advertising and entry-level position is always also important from this side point of the business owner because a lot of people are not applying to jobs because of that reason. They, they feel like they don't want to um, work in an environment where it's going to be really hostile to those people who don't understand coffee in that mm. way. So just eliminating hostility is going to be your important yeah. is the, you know, a huge element to that. Awesome. Okay. So 
Now let's move on to this rapid expansion. Yeah, so yeah. 2015 to really 2018, yep, you got yep. the one location. Yeah. What happens where all of a sudden we're sitting here in, what is it, September mm-hmm. of 2019 with four locations? Because yep. that's crazy. And it's just like every time I pull up your Instagram, which <laughs> I'm like, oh, There's something, <laughs> something new and big happened. Most people are just like, oh, we've got a new coffee yeah, on bar. You're like, hey, we have another cafe. And, and it is definitely an ambitious experience. Yeah, uh, there, there's there's no other way to put it is that, you know, a lot of it, it doesn't make the most business sense. Maybe not. I don't have experience in, in business to that degree to where it says like, OK, um, you know, that's really dumb. You look at you. Have you ever played chess before? And, pros and cons to everything, man. It's, yeah, I, and that's but I'm, that's that's like it. I have played chess, by the way, very poorly. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the deal, though. Like with, and the, the reason I bring up the chess analogy is because. You make every single move with the best intention that you're going to win the game. And at a certain point, you realize you moved a piece five moves ago that was not the right piece. And when can you look back and say, all right, that's the piece that I moved, that I moved incorrectly? It's not like that with business. It's a constantly, it's a very fluid thing to where you can change what that move was based on the experiences that people are having. Because uh. if I, I change an offering, great, now people are having a I change the way that I'm scheduling staff. Great, now now they're having a different experience, and so it is this su- a very fluid, very there's no rules that say you can't do this. Um, but from an uh, from an outside perspective, it's an extremely ambitious um, you know uh, project. That we've taken <laughs> yeah, out, to so. say the least. Yeah. So which second location? Yep. Which one is that? That's the Skyway location. So, so that's that's, Skyway that's, location. that's inside of the Hilton DoubleTree, and um, right. Again, an existing coffee shop already was was in there. We actually took over a Starbucks that oh, was that was in that spot. Um, the, so did you reach out to them? Did they reach out to you? Um, I'm trying to remember how that conversation started. You know, we are very close with a number of developers in the area, and and that is in part with um, because of the our, my fellow owners and, and just my our connections with with the area, and so conversations will always begin about well, what if we started doing this? And that's that's one of the um, the virtues of of being connected with with your community is that you're going to be able to kind of have conversations of like how are you going to, to change things in, in and this specifically Rochester how are we going to change things so um, I I think that was just a conversation of like hey what if we did this and I don't know necessarily the origin of whether yeah. or not they so reached out to being us. in tune with the developer yep it yep. comes up that hey this isn't going to be this Starbucks is an, this is an opportunity that that yeah. is is presentable and, and we say well. What if Cafe's team was there? And then, you know, it kind of starts that conversation rolling a little bit more, and then it develops and it grows. Um, the opening of, of Thesis and um, our, our micro cafe in there, and then this location was definitely um, two conversations that were starting around the same time. Okay. Um, with Thesis, we were projected to be open at the beginning of the year, um, but as with any build out, there are going to be delays. Same thing with you know, One Discovery Square, we were projected to be open at, in, I think, in, um, gosh, I want to say June of this year. And, you know, project, you know, project delays, everything didn't line up. So now you've got two projects that are kind of now leveling out into where their, their um, projected opening dates are, are at the same time. And so you start to think to yourself, that's, that's when you start to think, like, I, how are we going to do this? Um, trust in your managers. Trust in the people that you are... Um, bringing on to those leadership roles and, and be explicit with what it is that you are 
um, your expectation is. Um, that's really important. Giving, trusting a lot in them to say, like, all right, you're going to be in this space every single day. What are you going to do with it? Um, and one of the um, issues I've had as a leader of, you know, be between the four locations is that I, I can't be their ceiling. I can't be the part that is preventing them from really expressing who they are as individuals mm. in, that, in that space. And it's something that our, our ownership board, is, we, our last conversation was like, okay, cool, how are we empowering our employees to be able to make decisions on our behalf for the benefit of the company? What conclusions did you come to in that uh, meeting? I need to not be as preventative um, as, I, as I have been at that point. Yeah. And it's less me saying no, and it's more me um, not allowing people to make mistakes. Right. Not allowing people to be able to learn on their own rather than me reaching my hand in and saying, no, no, you need to do it this way. Yeah. Because what does that say to a person? It's like, you know, um, I, love, I love my parents. Uh, uh, my dad specifically will do everything for me if, if allowed to do. Mm -hmm. If allowed to do. And you, and you may have that, you know, other people may have that experience with their, with their parents where the parents want to do everything for them. I can't be a parent need to be an, an empowering employer and right. I hope that I'm doing that. And it's tough because it comes from a place of love and passion. It comes from both a the place of paranoia. <laughs> where I sit, sit awake at night wondering if somebody placed their milk order. Yeah. Um, and Oh, that's way too real, man. <laughs> that is when it comes. Did you get you, that done? You hit your, your head hits the pillow and you have that random thought where yep. you're like, yep. for your milk orders, but yep. it's like, Oh man, <laughs> did this get in? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then you send that rapid email, and then you end, you find out that they did place a milk order. And now you just place a second milk order on top. And I actually had that with um, the opening of our thesis locations. I was not willing enough to give up control of that space. Yeah. And we look, we're looking at at our first delivery for pastries, and it was I think four in the morning. Or somebody was not going to be on site to, to receive the pastry order. I think was the issue. So I emailed our, our baker, Don. I said, Don, um, we're actually, nobody's going to be on site to receive that order tomorrow, so why don't we just call it off and we'll have it come in the next day. An hour and a half later, I get a call from our store manager who says, Hey, um, isn't this delivery supposed to be in? And I said, Oh my God. She had placed the order, she was there to receive it. And she was there to, you know, stock everything yeah. and make sure that everything was right. And so in my my paranoia, my preventative thing was to say, like, okay, I'm, I'm taking too much control over everything or I'm trying to lord over everything. And, and that's what's, what's preventing people from, from doing better. So recognizing that was hard for me because then when you've got telling people saying, hey, you're doing too much work, you're doing... Much. Yeah, then you're over here like, well, I want to work less. So <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> what do you recommend? I want to work less. You're telling me I work too much. Oh, I'd love to be on a beach. Yeah, <laughs> fine. Why don't I just, I'll just go do nothing then? And you're sitting over there just like eating your fingernails. <laughs> um, but yeah. here's two, the two things I take from that story that are just so real I can relate to on so yeah. many levels is one that you were talking about, like the glamour. Oh, I think yeah. a lot of people see, oh, like, oh, man, the business must be so cool. Oh, uh, yeah, and, yeah. And you're like, to me, that 
4 a.m. wake up because yeah. you had a weird dream about uh, it or the thing where your head hits the pillow. I'd say that's more the reality of business than yep. anything, but also in expanding that yeah. uh, there's a there's a there's a time where you grow enough that the things that used to be easy to manage and you used to be able to control everything. Yep. It's just not possible and still have a healthy life, 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 life in yeah. general. Yeah. And uh, explaining to four locations, I had to imagine that mm-hmm. it sounds like that's probably one of the biggest challenges. And so it sounds like a fairly recent development with the meeting yeah. just happening. Yeah, is yeah, is yeah. that something you're working towards and how do you work towards that? Yeah, absolutely. And it's never something that you want to be a cold shock of water because now we're obviously going to have to, I mean, it's it's nothing that needs to change in terms of a dynamic. It's just changes in how I converse with with our our staff and our managers. Yeah. To say like, there's a problem. Okay, what are we going to do about it? And rather than saying, okay, I'll take care of it. Okay, what are we going to do to, to rectify this issue? Yeah. And, um, because it's very easy to be like, okay, I'll I'll just do it I because it. I know what I'm doing. And, and let me back that up. That sounded super snotty, but like, no, I, because. No. I know, I've done it I, know, I know you don't know how to do this, and I don't want to challenge you with something that's going to stress you out. And when you are seeing a manager as a person who is, um, sometimes when you when you hire on management, you're viewing them as very fragile. <laughs> and you think at any moment they could up and leave because you're being mean to them. But sometimes it doesn't empower them to do that. So more like the, the relationship and the right. newness of it being fragile right. than the person themselves. Right, right, right. yeah, the, yeah. The person is perfectly yeah, and they're perfectly capable with them. with the right language. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and with the right language and the, the correct um, approach, that you don't have to baby them. You don't have to spoon feed them. I mean, they're human beings, and they can think for themselves, and they, they're they're intelligent, and and some of them are a lot smarter than you are. And, uh, and that's <laughs> I can relate to that. That's why they're not in small business. <laughs> uh, um, so we're we're creeping up on an hour here. Yeah, yeah. Crazy enough. Uh, and so the last question mm-hmm. I wanted to ask is I. I think we were kind of uh, circling around the topic is so in empowering people to make decisions mm-hmm. one of the most important things and this is not just for coffee or cafe but really any business is mm-hmm. that if you're going to empower people to make decisions there needs to be some sort of framework in which they make decisions which is heavily the culture of sure. a business sure uh you can intrinsically know is this a good decision or not based yeah. on the culture of a business how much uh are you formally thinking about your mission and your culture and the direction you're taking things versus uh, more just hiring people that fit that culture and then trusting that they make those decisions? Great question. Um, And I think the simplest answer to that is that you need to be an embodiment of that mission and not having to think about it. You need to be able to be in the trenches with them, working and and working in the community and visibly. Make sure they see you doing stuff. a lot of the stuff that you do is stuff that is not seen. Um, you know, answering emails, um, having meetings and with, with, you know, with producers and, and things that are not on site um, are things that they not, are not going to attribute to work. So you may come in at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock and they're thinking that you've slept all morning. You, you know, you've been, you've been uh, off you know, uh, at the movies or something and, and, and not actually working. But the work that is done on site is not necessarily the work that being an embodiment of, let's say, your mission is to um, pro- provide more art. Okay, being an artist yourself sure helps. Um, let's say your mission is to um, provide more music. Being a musician yourself 
sure helps. You can't fake it. Um, I, I am not going to open up uh, or, or to include in this an element of, like, let's say, you know, we're going to be uh, steampunk, right? Um, because I'm not steampunk. I don't know the first thing about it. Right. And I don't know how to describe it to somebody if, or, or to an, em, an employee. And oftentimes that mission is very difficult to describe to them because it's less of uh, some, you know, words on a sheet of paper. And it's more the, um, the environment that you've created. So um, how do you get that to channel throughout the rest of the company? It being present, mm -hmm. conversing with your managers, talking with them every day. Make sure that they have, you've worked with them for long enough because all of, all of the, the managers that we've hired are hired internally. We don't hire managers externally. So when I don't put out a call that says, hey, we need a, we need a manager because that is going to be an issue when they come in and they, now you're trying to model them yeah. after your company and run your company in the way that you, um, you have now made visible to your entire staff and then you've got a manager that doesn't fit in with that. Yeah, and that's, I think that's right there is a huge component of yeah. it is that the managers can very clearly know if something's a good decision because yeah. of the work they've done. Yeah. Well, is that it? That, I think that's it? a good place All to right, end man. it, man. Uh, <laughs> well, we do we do have it in our employee handbook, our, our mission and everything. So yeah. I don't want to say that necessarily. Like, it's just about how you act. It's, so there is a formal There is a formal like, okay, introduction to it, but like that's not a catch-all. Right. Nobody's going to read that and be like, oh, sweet. That's I get it now. Be. Yeah. It's almost better to, I, I don't want to say not have it, but it, you will lean more heavily on how to have your behavior than anything else. Yeah. So, Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think man. that was everything I wanted to talk about. There's a lot more we could. I wish I had inserted more humor in it. No, I no. really dry and boring. It's, I mean, that, that's, but that's kind of the whole point of this is that the, 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 the big point of this podcast yeah. is so many of them try to be fun and funny and humorous. Right, and right. it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You spend 25 minutes, minutes listening to people laugh. Yeah, and you're like, okay, but I also, like, wait, how do you hire, though? Sure, and, sure. But so it's actually sometimes I think it, it comes across that way, but for – Hopefully, the, the no listeners now, but the, yeah. the future listeners, someone who's interested in not just starting a cafe, but expanding in culture and the things that go into it, yep. that, that's, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. So. And I guess just to leave, leave my point off, if I've said anything that is, uh, you know, everybody just disagrees with completely, uh, I'm open to talking about it. I'm open yeah. to learning myself as to, you know, how to, how to hire people or how to, how to yep. do different things because everyone is still learning. Let, yeah. let this not be a, you know, a book to be written from, you know, or that you can, you know, write a book from what I said and now be able to publish it to say yeah. like this is oh he he's doing it he's got four locations he must be doing great it's like yeah but I, I still like have trouble sleeping at night. Yeah. and and, <laughs> and the, the, everybody who has the answer or the right way well oh, someone yeah. taught them that exactly. and then someone taught them and then at some yeah. point somebody made it up right right so everything is kind of made up and yep. we're all yep. kind of trying just, to figure it out all just making it up and that's really what it is it's awesome just, I found what works for me so, so what, what's the Instagram handle? Cafe Steam? Just Cafe Steam. C-A-F-E-S-T-E-A-M. And then website is... Website steam.coffee. Steam.coffee. Will Forsman, owner of... And then any shout-outs you want to give? Uh, yeah. Uh, Shout-out right to... Right on the spot. Gosh. Um, <laughs> a tiny Footprint Coffee. They've, they've made a huge advancement for, for what this company is and can be. Um, my parents were uh, being so supportive. Um, our ownership board just dealing with my, my BS all the time. And then, uh, let's think. No, <laughs> going any further would be Mandala T, Garrett. There you go. Yeah, he's, he's great. He's wild. Yeah, and I want to say thank you from yeah. Folly, first one ever to service last year. Uh, and that's how we found you is uh, Cafe Steam rotating through uh, mostly only Minnesota roasters mm -hmm. every month. 
honestly the only cafe I know of that does that exclusivity of like we're all yeah. Minnesota, and yeah. I'm like finally because yeah. everybody's yeah. like check out these West Coast coffees. That's, uh-huh. There's so many good. No, because there's really here. good coffee. I found you guys because of Wesley Andrews. Yeah, because uh, you guys had done that collaboration coffee. And, yeah, and well, I, I never heard of Folly, and I was just no. Nope. Like, Most people haven't. Really <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Well, I appreciate the time. You got it, brother. All right. Um, have a great day. <laughs>